0: Buchem to the fifth in the continuing series of Shi'orim on the habdama of the Ramban, the introduction of the Ramban to Sefer and in a certain sense to the entire Torah. To his Pevish of the Torah, that is. Um, last time we spoke about the Ramban's assumption and his puzzling of what's called an Ur Torah. In other words, a Sefer Teiya, which is kedumale Oyla, the Loshim Ramban, as I quoted several times, um, which appears in the Shemel's edition in and Daf Beris, the Ramban says, "With neisha kavda, Teiya's kavda, the blyasa Oyla." The Ramban says, "Kabosh bolon, the kabbala, shayisa ksuva be'esh chayal al gab be'esh levavra." What does this say? Or Teiya, an a priori a priori teller, which comes before the world, when he mentioned that, Mo'esheh uh, ka seif amati bi The teller which Mesheh Rabbeinu writes, of course, it's called all Bi Pi Hashem, is um, Netak, is being, um Rabbeinu acts as a scribe, and he's, in fact, copying from a seif hachadboi, from an orator, a pretext. Now, of course, what the Ramban says here in this context is in contradiction to the halacha. As the Ramban says, this, what, um, what makes veracious and sipuri unique is that it doesn't say, Hashem as it does in the halacha. In other words, when we come to the halacha parts of the, ter- the legal parts of the Pentateuch, then the um, Torah the, the ter- tells us, as but when it comes to the um, Sipuri tera, at least many and then the Torah does not posit this as being a um, it does not posit this as being a prophecy which a kohen reveals to Moshe not explicitly, but rather the prophecy is not explicitly stated in the chumash, but rather like Ramban says, because the tera was come the and come to even to kledosu shemaysh so therefore, this Torah are written stat. So we have in the Ramban a very very vital and central distinction between the halachic parts of the chumash and between what we call the narrative part of the chumash. The narrative part of the chumash assume a sefer an or Moshe acts in Rosh as a sefer habatik, a scribe, who um, who transcribes the Torah from this or Torah from this pre-Torah pretext and between the um, between the halacha which in fact actually are expressed in the text as explicit commands of the to Moshe Beinu Veidah Hashem etc. and what I'd like to try to explain and examine in this shield is why is it that there is what is the logic? What is the rationale between this important distinction or this fundamental distinction? So it was said to me that this these different types in which the terror of the text of the Torah is expressed are actually a consequence of the the nature the difference in the nature of the halacha. Um, with that of the, um, with that of the um, of narrative parts of the Torah, um, in the following way. When we come to the narrative parts of the Torah, the Torah is in fact actually describing history. Torah is describing events, events that took place in the objective world. Objective events took place in the objective world. So, for example, with the Torah narrates something, right? Any seaport, seaport the Torah, any narrative of the Torah is coming to um, record a historical event. Or in fact, in fact, the Torah is actually not necessarily a historical event in terms of human beings, but could even be, for example, a scientific event. Um, an example of this is um, in Pashos Noyach, the Torah, Mokadosh um, Bofu says to Noyach, after he leaves the Torah, that there's going to be a blitz, he's going to make a covenant, and this blitz is going to be expressed in the in the, keshes, in the rainbow. So in the Ramban, the Parish is right, that um um which is um Yud Beis, which is in the Shiva's edition. So there in um, the saying this is the this is the covenant or the sign of the covenant, which I am giving, which I am presenting to you, composed to to um, to Noyak, that we gonna there's going to be a sign of the covenant which I've made not to destroy the world anymore through a Bible, and, um, and the rainbow is going to be the sign. So it says the Ramban, <speaking in> what <Hebrew> Ramban says is that the rainbow was not something that was created during the Shesh it was not part of the original natural law of the world. But now, because Balak is going to create a new thing, which is called the keshes so a rainbow, right? On a um, when there when there are clouds, I guess after the
1: rainfall,
0: okay. And etc. etc. Okay. Now, goes under the lamp and says, "There's a problem with this." What and he, I mean. A priori, this would seem to be the way of learning the Chumash, understanding the Chumash. But says the Ramban, in a very interesting statement, mm-hmm. "But the Rambazers were forced to believe, were forced to accept the words of the Greeks, namely the words of Greek philosophers." Mm-hmm. In fact, actually, a rainbow um, is a natural process that comes from the. He says. The lat shemesh from the heat of the sun, in the in the moist atmosphere. In other words, says Ramban, the Greeks tell us that in fact, a is a natural occurrence which can be explained through natural law, through physics. Keep it clear. Because if you fill up a bowl with water and you put it in the sun, you can also see a type of a rainbow. So, what's interesting is, the Ramban, does not say, well, the Greeks are a bunch of apikosen, koyfren, we're coming up to Halakha time, so um, that's going to be a very popular phrase. The Rabban doesn't say that. So the Rabban says, the kashen is cause of And the Rabban actually, if we really look a bit further and deeply the Torah, we'll see that in fact, actually, this is true. That, in fact, actually, the Torah acknowledges the fact that this is a natural event. Ki omar, because the Torah says, Tera uses the past tense. I have placed my rainbow in the clouds. Doesn't use a present tense or maybe a future tense. I'm going to place in the. I'm placing or I'm going to place in the cloud. In other words, even though the tera uses the um, the, um, the present tense or the future tense with respect to the Eisagrit, the song of the covenant. Um, nonetheless, when we speak about, when the, when the, when the Chummi speaks about, when the Pasuk speaks about the rainbow itself, which is the ois itself, the Torah uses a Lashon Ova, a past tense. So says, um, says Ramban, Umilas Kashti, that was my rainbow. The Ramban is been further to you. This is a, a keshes means a rainbow which Kosh is creating anew right now, but rather Kashti is something that Kosh always has created. In other words, that there was already a rainbow, meaning that there was already a natural law, which explains the rainbow, and it's not a new creation. So Ramban, now we have to read the Pasuk in a different way. We have to read the Pasuk the saying is that the, the Keshe, the rainbow, which was created as a result of natural law during the six days of creation, From now on, this is going to be a sign of the covenant. An oath placed between me and mankind. She calls the mantra, Okay. In other words, now the Ramban, right? What I want to say for the Ramban is, the Ramban understood that something which we know objectively is a natural event in the physical world is is of course going to be accepted as such even when we explain the Torah. So therefore, says the Ramban, right? We have to read the Torah, we have to understand the pshat of the Torah accordingly. And therefore, the Ramban reads the natural law into the too. even though towards the end the Ramban seems to say that one can have maybe two ways of reading the passage, but in any case, the Ramban says, meaning is that if we would understand that this reading is perhaps more of a B'chudishtik reading, right? you know, a novel reading of the Chumash, that's what I would imagine, because the Sabbath the Ram understands Milach a priori. In any case, the Torah, when the Torah is coming to report an event in the world, we have to accept, in a certain sense, the scientific, objective facts of the world and understand the Chumash accordingly. That's what the Rambam is saying. Intersecting with history, when the historic events is recorded, then in fact the Torah, right, every word of to the Torah are true, but the Torah in fact actually is has to report that event, and the event which the Torah is reporting in fact is assumed to have an objective historical truth, and comes to the Torah and reports it in a certain way in which, of course, we can understand the Torah is bringing out the meaning, the spiritual context of that event. In any case, the point that i want to make is is that when it comes to the narration of the chumash and I, when I say narration i mean it in a general context whether the chumash is narrating human history whether it's narrating natural history or natural law then for sure the chumash is coming to interpret objective events if the chumash is coming to interpret objective events that the Chumash is a text upon another text. So the notion of the Ur Torah, the pretext, the Seifa Kadmai, which precedes not only by and history, but in fact the creation of the world, is in a certain sense philosophically equivalent The saying is that we accept the objective, um, reality, or an objective reality of history, of science, of the world, and the Chumash is coming as a text to comment on that objective fact, on that objective reality. So in other words, the ur um, title the pretext, the Sefer Kaibai, is none other the hermeneutical analogy of understanding that there is an objective reality which Torah is coming to convey. Now, this, of course, is in those cases in which we assume this objective reality. However, in the halacha, that's not true. The halacha is something in and of itself. The halacha is not necessarily an objective reality, but rather is a legal construct which, of course, emerges from the Nevor of the Um While, in fact, actually, the halacha um, might come to um, be applied to objective events in the world, nonetheless, in and of itself, the halacha in and of itself is a priori. Um, you don't have to read the halachan man of, of Yerusha salavechek or that of Reb Chaim to understand this because this is actually inherent in the Ramban himself. So therefore, when the Torah is speaking legally, halachally, in other words, the halacha of Meshra Beinu, the Navuat, which is Parangal hame'ira from a from Mamesh, then in fact the Torah is not um, being restrained or under the um, under the yoke of an objective reality, but rather the halacha is something in and onto itself. And for this reason, not only do we not have any need to um, construct an or Torah, a pretext, on the contrary, instead of a funnel which comes into the text from before the text, the text is actually the source from a funnel which actually comes out of the text. Namely, that in fact, through the Yudh and the drosheth of Chazal and of Sinai, the text of the Torah itself is the fundamental a priori text, and from that emerges to the intermediates and the drushes, all of the halaches of Chazal, and um, and there is no need to um, suppose that Chazal are actually in their drushes are actually in fact referring to things which are objective realities outside the Torah, and that is the fundamental difference between the halakhic parts of the homage which are always preceded by to the narrative parts of the Chumash. Now, the truth is, is, is that this um, this notion of the lacha is in fact actually um, part of um, the Ramban system of thinking, and in particular those places where in fact he takes on none other than the Rambam himself. So, for example, in the Sefer Mitzvah, the Shorosher, in, um, in Parad Beis, I'm not saying in Sheresh Beis, there's a dispute between the Rambam and the Ramban in Sheresh Shani. Uh, the is in fact, um, according to the, the Rambam, the Rambam calls the Deroshers of Hazal the This does not mean that when Hazal dashed an apostle, there is the it means the but the directions are actually, in fact, generated by Chazal. We cannot say that they are inherently part of the shot of the Pasuk. That's the Rambam's contention. contention. Those of you who are interested in a um, expose or an explanation of this or presentation of this, I refer you to the Rishimu article, Rishimu magazine. Actually, I think it's the first Rishimu. There I have a, an article on the Shashim of the Rambam. Whereas the Rambam argues on the Rambam says, no, that's not true. That if we say the drushes are generated by chazal and don't represent the intent of the chomesh, then chas they're not true. But rather, Ramban says, that the drushes represent the intent of the chomesh. In other words, every drush of chazal, the zer was shalom, certainly, but certainly all the idiomomidis, the the yeso, right, is in fact actually um, an inherent part of the chomesh itself, of the psukkah themselves, of the psukkah themselves. And that which Chazal say, Ein that just means that the Peshat of the Pasuk is one of several layers of Peshat of the Chomish, but Chazal the Droshes, in fact, actually, are based purely on what Chazal saw was the meaning of the Pasuk itself. And therefore, for this reason, the Droshes of Chazal are certainly Deir and that to be understood, Deir in a literal sense, and therefore, they should, they they should not be um, excluded in the meaning of Mitzvahs. So, in other words, what is the Ramban arguing there? The Ramban is actually arguing there is that the drushes are not being generated by some type of a third object, but any other objective reality, but the drushes are emerging, literally, from the actual sukkim of the chomish itself. And in this instance, actually, the Ramban, the, the Ramban is taking on the Ramban. And the machloik of the Ramban the Ramban is, is that, I think my opinion is, the Ramban is going to Shikasar. The Rambam, the Rambam is in fact actually basing. Um, well, I'm not sure he's basing himself on this because the Rambam, the Rambam in fact, actually in the second sheresh uh, gives us the Imukin based upon Chazal's. But in fact, the shita, the position of the Rambam, is part of an overall shita of the Rambam, which is in fact actually, which comes forth in the. Third cheddar of the Barah in which he speaks about Tamiya Mitzvahs, and you're invited to MeshkavanCircle.com, Shi'u'am, and the Tamiyah Mitzvahs. I think I have 20 lectures on that. And there the Rambam wants to, um, to contend. That in fact, actually, the halach itself of the Chumash is, in fact, actually a navigation of, in many cases, certainly the Chukim, a navigation of what, what were previous rituals in previous times. Um, they were, in fact, in fact, actually, paganistic rituals, which the halacha, through the Nevoimish Abenu directs towards belief in the one God, towards monotheism towards Akadosh Baruch Moshe So, in other words, the Rambam understood that the very halacha in the Chumash posits a objective reality, anthropological, religious, what you want, of which the text of the Torah, in a certain sense, is directing that through the um no through the of towards our our service of the Baruch Hu. So in other words, once again, if in fact the mitzvahs themselves assume a objective um, religious or ritualistic text. So the Rushes of chazal are going to actually assume that too, to some extent. Now of course you're going to argue with me, what about the the Meila. Um, so you should know that um, in one of the lectures there maybe in the final lecture I actually addressed this so I in my opinion I come to resolution resolution but in any case we see over here clearly that the Rambam the Rambam in his um in his the Rambam um, the is in fact taking on what is none other than the fact that um the halacha is not, does not assume an objective reality other than the actual text of the Chumash, which constitutes the nevoa, ponum, ponum of That's the position of the Ramban. Okay. So, Baruch Hashem, I think what we've come over here is, um, is an understanding of what I asserted last week as the very nature of the text of the Chumash in its narrative parts, and the important distinction that um, that the Ramban is making uh, between this and between the nature of the text of the Chumash and um, its legal halachic parts. I think this is really the important big site here um, that comes out in the Hacham of the Ramban to Zevach Now we have up until now, therefore, a very very interesting um, the text of the Taylor, you know. Has two types of texts. We have, of course, the narrative part of the text, which which for which we postulate this pretext, the Torah, which is philosophically related to the notion of a um, objective reality, and then we have the halacha text of the of the Chodesh, which, on the contrary, does not posit um, any objective reality, but rather the halacha itself is prior to the world. The halacha itself constitutes that pretext or that or text. And um, so we have actually the two ends of the spectrum. Now, the question which I want to raise, and I think this is really the, um, the much more complex topic, is what exactly is the notion of Seud in the Ramban? Now, of course, um, it's not for me to um, to, um, to speak about the Seud of the Ramban, but the fact but. The truth is is that in fact actually the um the notion of the side in the text of the Torah has to be addressed because the Ramban certainly has told us about Dhamma. we've spoken about this previously um we'll quote over the Ramban it appears towards the end of the Dhamma, and Davov page Davov in Chappelle's edition four lines from the bottom says the Ramban, in other words we also have a Kabbalah Shal And I guess Tal Timash means two things. It means it, it's, it's a true authentic tradition, and it's an authentic and it's a tradition. All the Tegah is actually made in the Ezek And I spoke about this, and we spoke about the concept of textual imminence. And the one goes on, and I think I'm, I'm pretty sure, I'm certain, in fact, that um, that I quote this too in Darzayan towards the end of the first paragraph for the Shemot edition, third line from the end of the paragraph. In other words, the Torah was given to Meishabbeinu was, give was the text of Torah that we have in which we read it, and we could, um, we could actually, you know, have a, a text which is intelligible, narration, mitzvahs. But Meishabbeinu, in fact, was given at Sinai the, the other level of the reading of the text, which is actually not other, not other than the names of Kabsh and the names of the Hu, of course, not necessarily follow the, um, the, the semantics of the Torah, and even the syntax of the Torah, as we understand and read it, Abi Pshat, or even Abi Dosh. Now, what I, the question is though, what is this? In other words, this reading of the Torah Abi is it a reality? Is it something unto itself? Where exactly does the reading of the 10 so stand between the two ends of the spectrum? In other words, does it, observe, does it assume some type of a objective reality? Of course, it's for sure not objective reality. It could be, be something close to objective reality. Maybe it assumes type of a spiritual reality. Or, no, are we saying is that actually the side of the... And therefore, because of this, we would say that there's also a pretext, a pretext of the teva? which is actually a pretext spiritual reality of which is said the common. Well do we say no? Do we say that actually this is the text itself? And the, you know the um, common words would be that would be the latter. The fact in becomes the shame is what you have is what you get, what you see is what you get. Maybe I, I would have to assume that in fact there is no... Or text to the Sodhgur Torah, but rather, in fact, actually, the Torah constitutes the Or text. So, in other words, there are two ways of looking at this. I don't see any way of peaceful to Makhry. Now, it could possibly be that it's both of these cases, but in other words, this certainly has to be investigated. Now, the issue comes up several times in the Ramban, but I think, my opinion is, is that probably the place where this is discussed in the Ramban um, in the greatest detail, and where it's discussed uh, direct, most directly, is actually in Bereshit, in Pashas Vayigash, in Perak Memvav, Pasuk Aleph. And there, on the Pasuk of Vayizbach the Leleke of Yitzchak. OK, this is a, uh, we know that um, Yitzchak Avino, or, ya- I'm sorry, Yaakov Avino, right? Um, on his way to Mitzrayim. So there um, it says in the Torah and comes to Be'er This is on his way to Mitzrayim to his reunion with Yesaf. Okay. So um, and then <speaking in Hebrew> and then finally, the pasuk says, I mean, Passock Dawit, I will go down with you to Mitzrayim, and I will come up. And I will as I bring you out, or come up with you, or bring you out. We'll see the unkulis, but the tavern is Gamboloi. So, the Ramban, on this pasuk, pasuk Aleph, first speaks about the, you no, know, speaks about the well, exactly these shlomim, these zvachim, why well, he the shlom, the zvachim that Yitzchak is um, offering, and why the lucky of Yitzchak, and very he on Rashi, or he expands upon the Rashi. And what's interesting is, is that the Ramban then takes a little bit of a detour, goes off on a tangent. And then he takes on the Merin Takes on the Merin Nebuchet. Um, the Merin Nebuchet makes note of the fact that in the Talgum of Ameche Erech Inch HaMitzchayim Ameche Alch HaGab So, when he said to Yanke I'm going to go down with you. Right? Um, so there, the Talgum Onkelis um, um, is literal. Ameche I'm Imach Inch HaMitzchayim. Right? I will go down with you to Mitzkayan. It goes, it goes, it but I'm gonna um, bring you up. And um, the question is why does Uncleus in the first part, or in the first clause, I'm gonna go down with you. Why does Uncle in fact actually um, translate translate the possible literally? I'm gonna go down with you, but it says that I'm the Baile you know, he devotes a lot of time to this. Well we all know that Uncleus does his best in his Talgum to um, to avoid any type of anthropomorphism with spectral colours And he should have said that um he should have said that I'm going to right either I'm gonna be in other words you should have said literally I'm gonna go down with you. And so the this is the the Volabuchan raises this in um in Parach of Zion of the first kind, the Rambam quotes Um Okay? And so, he gives a tablets. He gives a tablet. and the tablet says that sense of Qadosh Baruch was telling us in a dream, in a ma'am, in a, in a, in a, in a vua, So because of that, he could use the literal anthropomorphic phraseology of, I'm going to go down with you. But in fact, in the in other places where the Torah is speaking mukhla, the Torah is speaking objectively, then when it says that Qadosh is going to go down, it doesn't mean literally that Qadosh actually descends, but it speaks about a revelation, um, there's a revelation because it's powerful, but certainly not a physical and anthropomorphic deception and that the Ramban goes ahead and takes on the word of this in fact actually is a very long Ramban we don't have the title this not in the fifth uh, Shia, the fifth lecture to go in the Ramban detail but the Ramban takes on the word of and says the Ramban, the Ramban takes on the word and says it's not true because for example we see that many times um, Onkelis actually gives a um, literal interpretations, even in narrations which are mukhlah, and other are not ostensibly um prophetic um vision, prophetic revelations. And um, for example, when it speaks about um speaks about seeing, then the umbilist always translates as the Khaza Hashem he sees and um uh, so in other words, why should there be a distinction between seeing and between um Shmiya hearing and Onkelis speaks about the, the Onkelis will actually speak about the Shechina as actually uh, moving and having motions, being with Kla etc., etc., and um, in other words, the bottom line is, we do not see that there is a rule in uncle that he avoids anthropomorphic description. That is the main thesis of the Ramban. So, the Ramban, right, goes on and says, as a, right, actually the the actual Amban is very very important to go into the details. The right i to go into it, maybe you be dependent on details. But Amban, towards the end, it's a very long Amban, but on the on the fourth line from the top, says Amban, In other words, these are things which are to sight. And the Chokh of Ubalas was distinguish where the Torah is speaking, let's say, metaphorically, and where the Torah is actually speaking literally, even when it comes to an um, anthropomorphic um, description of a Kodesh Bolkh. Now, the Rabbah, by the way, the Halakha says that what, what Ubalas meant, right, a Mask of of Amash Oma Khan, once again, in on Allah, the fifth line from the bottom. I'm going to go down with you literally. So it's coming to Marabez, what Chazal say, right? Um, were the the In other words, basically that the Shina literally goes with Klai Yisrael, at least the text reports of the Shina going with the Yisrael. So, in other words, the Ramban understood is that the anthropomorphic terms that we've with in the Chumash are actually right, referring to the Shechina, or referring to what we call spheres. They're referring to spiritual things. And because of that, the Torah can ascribe to them motion, vision, b'khuli, b'khuli, etc., etc. It's important to try to understand philosophically the makhloiq dispute between the Rambam and the Rambam. course, the Rambam would understand, Rambam says explicitly, is that the Torah is, for sure, using metaphor. The Torah is using metaphor. Even though Vayal, Vayal Hashem, um, the Torah, the Ugal translates as Kazi Hashem, but then the Rambam to be intellectual perception. As we all know, the Greeks understood the mind as an eye which sees. If you're interested in a discussion, discussion of this, you look in the Roy's book, Philosophy of the Mirror of Nature, they discuss discusses the Greek concept of mind. And the Rambam, certainly Merdavucham, follows this notion. Certainly what he says over here, Merdavucham, with respect to the eye of the mind. But, in other words, the Rambam understands these terms are actually metaphor. What does metaphor mean? It means that there's nothing inherently significant to the word itself but the word is coming to somehow, language is coming to refer to some type of an objective reality or objective concept in other words there's nothing inherently significant to the words themselves language is being used as a signifier it's signifying it's, being it's, allu- it's uh, alluding to some other thing and that's according to the and that's what the metaphor is I'm on, the phone doesn't, I'm on the phone doesn't mean anything I'm sitting on the phone but rather it refers to the act of speaking through a telephone that's a metaphor the Ramban seems to understand that no the language of the Chumash in these cases is more actually related to what we call that the word has being used as a symbol and the symbol, what I understand this. Um, perhaps I'm saying something which has been attributed to Kasira the symbolic forms, but the symbol, me, a symbol, I'm noticing symbol in a literally sense. For example, if I if I draw a picture of a house, a simple picture, it doesn't really, it's not really a good drawing of a house. But I can in fact actually say that this picture symbolizes a house. In other words, it doesn't. It's not a translation of an of a it's not coming to translate human language, but rather, and it's not coming to evoke, actually, a type of a sound, which would be a spoken word, but actually it's coming to symbolize a concept, the concept. I draw a picture of a house, it's coming to symbolize the house. I could write house H-O-U-S-E, in which case the language here is just coming to um, spell to spell out the pronunciation of the language. But if I draw a house, then it's a simple meaning that's just coming to with the semantic constant of hands. And this is actually, the Ambam himself understands that um, <coughs> this is probably with the Terror writes, which of course cannot be pronounced, because I'll say at the very end of the, <coughs> of, of the um, I think at the end of the, uh, the, um, the sixth paragraph, the fifth paragraph of Psoche, or the fourth paragraph of Psoche, that in fact actually, that um, that you know, Yukevovke can't be pronounced. It's pronounced differently. At-nus, and not Yukevovke. that Yukevovke is a certain sense a recognition of a um, of a concept, an idea. Now, of course, Chazal do say that there were previous generations where there was a and Laforesh, but the Rambam says that these things have been lost through tradition, as we all know. The Mishnah speaks about us in general, but and as far as we're concerned, Yukevovke at this point is a, a symbol for a concept of Yichud etc., etc. But I would say is that what Ramban is doing over here is asserting that the there are expressions in the Chomish, which actually are symbolic expressions, that the words do not correspond to specific events in the world, to an objective reality, but rather the words themselves are an expression of certain concepts. But they're not metaphors, because they're not coming. In other words, the concepts here are not necessarily um, are sometimes of an objective reality, independent of the words, but rather in fact the words themselves are the symbols themselves. And this is, I would understand, to be the distinction between what we call symbol and um, um symbol and metaphor. Well, metaphor assumes the languages are spoken, and the spoken language uh, the, the word itself is actually just a way of, we pronounce the words which are orally spoken. That's modern language languages as we know. However, it's what's called symbolic language. In fact, a symbolic language, is something that according to the historians and archaeologists and anthropologists, something that actually preceded what we call the language as we know with an alphabet, which tries to mimic the sounds of spoken language. And in symbolic language, basically, there were symbols that were written for all different kinds of objects, rocks, trees, people, and um, the symbol comes to not to um, to um, to tell us how things are said, but actually, it's coming to symbolize a concept, an idea. So we have over here in the Ramban a very interesting notion: is that the side of the Torah, at least in this place, with the Ramban's piece at the side of the Torah is language here is acting not so much in terms of what we understand to be modern alphabets. At least the written language term is not really modern alphabets, but rather it's actually coming to act more as a symbol of a concept. But the concept is not an objective reality independent of the word, but the word itself refers to that as a symbol of that objective concept. Now, I understand that this is rather complicated, rather deep, and actually, in fact, I don't feel that I've even actually explained this um, to, its, um, to its fullest. So I'm going to have to actually go through this much detail um, in the next lecture. But the question that I want to pose is: is that this symbolic language, what is its ontological function? within the text. In other words, what is the relationship of symbolic language to either the narrative form of the Chomish, which refers to some objective reality, or to the Halacha, which is generated from within itself, which does not for the given reality, but actually actually comes um, as purely generated exclusively by the text of the Chomish itself. Where does symbolic language enter in the spectrum? <clears throat> and what does this tell us about the, um, the overall structure of the Chomish? And this is something which um, is a very, very deep and important topic. And I think this not only will give us tremendous insight into the Ramban's understanding of the text of the Chomish, but in fact, actually, will give us a lot of deep insight and really the truth of the Torah. The truth of the Torah its relation to the world, its relationship to not only physical. Allah, but spiritual reality. And um, this is something that we will actually go on to discuss in, um, in, um, in fact, in further Shi'urim. But at this time, from an undisclosed location in Shalai al I would like to um, um, wish you call and until next time, we will continue with the series of Shi'urim on the Hattama, of the introduction of the Ramban, to Sefer Bereshis, which is, in fact, the Ramban's de facto introduction to his commentary on the entire table. Be well.